Hello, you're listening to a podcast of the best bits of Breakfasters for this week, week ending Friday the 18th of August. We're on Triple R every weekday morning from 6 till 9am, broadcast live from Melbourne, Australia. And coming up on the podcast this week, riding the wave of the Matildas in the Women's World Cup, we chat to Professor Tracy Taylor from RMIT all about women's sport and what this moment means. And then Digger brought us in some tasty treats, edible flowers straight from his garden. I take us through the trials and tribulations of house hunting. Dr Jen shares a good news story about short bursts of exercise and what it means for our health. And editor of The Big Issue, Amy Hetherington, takes us through the 19th annual fiction edition. Addressing winter fashion, we unpack the vexed issue of selecting your bottoms. And Friday funny bugger, Irvi Majumda, adjusts to being alone. Oh. Triple R. Tracy Taylor is a professor at RMIT who is currently wrapping up a several years long research project titled Reconfiguring the Playing Field on and off the pitch women's professional sport in Australia. So joining us with her take on the impact of the Matilda's World Cup campaign and related issues, the academic and sports leadership expert joins us now. Tracy, welcome to Breakfasters. Thank you very much, Daniel. I'm really excited to be here. Well, it's so great to have you. How do you feel the morning after the Matildas lost last night? Tired. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what a wonderful tournament for Australia. Uh, And I mean for the country, not just for the team. You know, the Matildas have outperformed everybody's expectations and just galvanised a nation, which is so exciting to see. Mm. And I think really, really highlighted the professionalism of women's sport. Yeah, what do you think that this World Cup has demonstrated? I think it's demonstrated that women can draw eyeballs, they can galvanise national spirit and support, and they can get people involved and excited that really have no passion (laughs) for (laughs) soccer or football, but just really want to get behind a women's team. Mm. How do we know that any change is lasting? Well, we won't know it's lasting until uh, we can measure it further down the track, but it certainly has generated a lot of discussion, a lot of navel-gazing and a lot of thought-provoking questions about the way in which women's sport is supported in this country And the access to facilities, we've already seen a number of uh, state governments say that they are going to increase funding for women's training grounds, women's uh, change facilities, women's sport in general, which is fantastic to see. And was that a result in part of the public holiday, that weird public holiday discussion? Uh, I don't think it's connected, Well, really. in pre- Premier yeah. saying, well, we're not going to have a public holiday, so instead we're going to fund, say, the Premier of South Australia. Peter Malinowskis, yes. but I'm, I'm wondering what, uh, what tangible on the ground things do you anticipate that this will result in culturally in this country? Well, I think it um, has you know, so many different implications in terms of legacy. Facilities are just one. Um, you know, there's a recognition while people look around and try and sign up their girls and boys to play soccer at the junior level or football at the junior level. They'll see that maybe there isn't the facilities that have gender um, parity and the number of um, clubs and uh, associations that can support uh, the influx of girls into the sport. And we'll start to see, hopefully, a lot more volunteers coming into the sector as well who want to support this growth. Mm. How do we know that soccer won't monopolise all of (laughs) this love and attention? (laughs) 
Is there something wrong with that? <laughs> <laughs> but is, is there, do, do you anticipate it will bleed naturally into other sports? I, I think soccer has always been seen as a sleeping giant in Australia. So um, dare I say, because I'm in Victoria, but for, for years I was on the uh, National Rugby League research board and they were always scared that football and soccer would gain momentum. Uh, in the country. And look, we see so many uh, crossover athletes uh, from the junior level up to professional sport. You don't have to play just one sport. Mm -hmm. You can start um, playing football, uh, soccer and transition to other sports. And we've seen that at the semi-professional level and professional level as well, particularly amongst women as they chase the professional career, which isn't necessarily always there in terms of uh, a sustainable wage in the sport that they started out in. Well, yeah, that's. I think Elise Perry, the cricketer, she played in one of the World Cups, I think. Maybe I Mm -hmm. need to cross-reference that. Yeah, is that true? But, yeah, I know we're seeing it with AFLW at the moment. They um, are doing a bargaining agreement, trying to get, like, full-time professional wages because, you know, they have these gruelling training schedules for these short seasons. The the risk of injury is high, you know, seeing it with um, the Diamonds, you know, they have major funding issues. I don't believe there's any, um, you know, prize money. They've just won the World Cup. Um, yeah, so how do we kind of interact and get involved, would you say, in kind of putting pressure on seeing these kind of changes rolled out at this kind of professional level? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think, you know, the support has to come from the bottom up Mm. as well as the top down. Uh, And when the, you know, top leadership and management of our national governing bodies is committed Mm. to growing the women's game as well as the men's game, then we can see change. And, you know, a great example of that is Australian cricket. Mm. You know, they've done this really successfully. And, you know, other sports will follow. And, you know, we just have to recognise it is a long journey. You know, it wasn't that long ago, in my lifetime, probably not in yours, that um, if you were an amateur athlete, you were looked down on if you became professional in a lot of sports. Mm-hmm. You know, classic case in Australia is the tennis players, you know, both men and women, um, and a range of other sports, rugby union, you know, it was almost sacrilegious when they turned from amateur to professional. So it'll take a while, but, you know, there has to be support from the leadership. Yeah. The media coverage has been ubiquitous. Uh, beyond the saturation, do you have any observations of this World Cup? Yeah, not a media expert, but um, I, I was um, uh, listening to... Tracy Holmes speak about this the other day and she said, uh, you know, all of a sudden everyone's come out of the woodwork and is a specialist in (laughs) women's football and wants to get on the media wagon. Um, And it's amazing. And it can only only be good. I mean, you look at the um, Matilda's following on Instagram, it's now... uh, like hundreds of thousands above the Socceroos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, success drives people <laughs> to be interested, to follow, to be motivated, to understand the sport a bit better. Well, speaking of that, what do you think, what impact do you think the success of the Matildas will have on the Socceroos or women's sport will have on men's sport? Do you think there'll be a tangible effect? I think it, it is um, now the community sees that soccer, football is a sport that both girls and boys can play mm. um, and parents see that as well. So it'll generate interest not just in women's sport but in men's sport as well. 
And, you know, football's always been waiting for this, this moment uh, in Australia and probably particularly in Victoria where, you know, the, the giant here um, has dominated, you know, Aussie rules dominates everything. So this is getting that toehold in and it's getting um, a lot of local councils to recognise that they need to provide uh, the square pitch as well, or the rectangular pitch, I should say, as, as well as the oval pitch. Your research project is wrapping up, reconfiguring the playing field on and off the pitch. Do you have any early observations or conclusions? Yeah. Uh, one of the things that we found, particularly as, as women transition um, as career athletes from amateur to semi-professional to professional and you know they grapple with a lot of those challenges of not having a wage that is sustainable a living wage um, that can support them full-time in an athlete career it's how do you juggle how do you balance how do you uh, deal with the expectations that come with now getting paid but not paid quite enough <laughs> to be full-time for the tr mm -hmm. adequate training, for the travel, for the, uh, in many cases, the childcare or the care responsibilities and costs that come uh, along with that, to, you know, devote yourself to becoming a professional athlete. Mm. Mm. Your breadth of knowledge is obviously wide. Do you have a personal preference, though, of the sport that really gets your juices flowing? <laughs> oh, I better not say. Oh, you better on. say. Yeah, yeah we're desperate to know. Well, I mean, unless it's something controversial like <laughs> yeah. cockfighting. Is it dogfighting? <laughs> Where is ball? <laughs> oh, well, you might pick up from my accent that I'm not Australian. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, my, my heart still lies in ice hockey. Beautiful. Oh, now, isn't that interesting? It, isn't ice hockey coming to Melbourne pretty soon? Uh, there's We're trying to attract the, well, maybe the Canada League is coming. Do you, do you reckon ice hockey stands a chance in this country? Well, um, again, you're probably too young to remember, but there was a National Ice Hockey League in Australia. Oh, wow. Um, probably in the 1980s mm. and uh, a fledging league and most of the players were from Canada, uh, but it didn't... It uh, wasn't sustainable, uh, so maybe, who knows, uh, maybe it uh, will reinvent itself yep. and uh, get some traction here the, in Australia. The campaign starts here. <laughs> yeah, they've got the ice rink in the Docklands, and I think they do, like, Sundays you can do drop-in sessions and mm. just try there your you hand go. at ice hockey a bit. So <laughs> let's get down there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, well, we've been speaking with uh, Tracy Taylor, Professor at RMIT, your research project, Reconfiguring the Playing Field on and Off the Pitch, Women professional sport in Australia is coming to a close and we appreciate you sharing your expertise with us this morning. It's been my delight. <laughs> Independently yours, Triple R. 102.7. Dirt, dirt, dirt. It's where you grow your plants. Dirt, dirt, dirt. Hey, you got some on your pants. Can you stop singing about dirt? Gardening guru Digger's here to dispense his immense horticultural wisdom. Morning, Digger. Morning, all. And morning. Mon and you reunited. Yes. yes. Great to be back. <laughs> Good <laughs> Smiling <you>. face. <laughs> exactly. Um, your hair's grown really fast, Simon. <laughs> I was going to say, what? Oh, no. um, and as I predicted, Digger is wearing shorts. Yes. <laughs> have you been foraging or what do we call this? I have. I've placed it up this morning. Um, I've brought in an arrangement of just flowers from my garden that are actually edible. And I just, 
I've started doing it this week with some students and just popping. It's like, oh, have you ever, ever tried this? And it never really occurred to me. I do it to people all the time. It's like, this is edible, this is edible, this is edible. And they were just so shocked at the, all these really common plants that are edible. Now, I have to obviously give a warning. Don't just go start putting flowers uh, in your mouth because some of them will kill you. So you got you do have to know what you're what you're looking at here. So yeah, just got a little assortment, um, different coloured things. From do you want to try? What, yeah. No, do no, you want something sweet? That, no, no nasturtiums no, in sight. No nasturtiums. Too I just basic. thought it was too cliche. Uh, yeah. It was too easy. Everyone's had it, you know, on there. Okay, what's what's this one? This looks like a okay. little yellow kind of bell shape. Yeah. So oxalis gets a bad rap ah. as a weed. Sour sop. The um, whole, thing? whole thing in your mouth. Okay, that's the that's the yellow tubular one. Peeps on your plate if you have oh. got one there. <gasps> All right. Tastes like apple. Wow. Yeah, that's the one. Oh, straight in. Yeah, that's the one. Whole thing, straight in. Sorry to those who hate drink sounds (laughs) on air. I just realised this is my worst Sour. (laughs) Yeah. A little zingy and a little hit of sweet at the end of it because you're getting the pollen out of the middle of it. That's better than a coffee. That's a real, like, (laughs) zing to the brain. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I think the the best one is the red one that you got there. Now, this is a salvia species. Can we slow down for a second? (laughs) I did take a photo of the plate. We'll chuck it on stories later. And and because – so they come in – this one has five attached. Would you – do individually or whack them all in? Um, well, you can only eat the petals, so you'd have yes. to take them off individually and whack them in, in yeah. individually. But that's really sharp aftertaste, yeah. isn't it? Mm. Yeah, it's a, like an absolute zinger. A real zing is perfect word. Yeah. yeah. So this red one? The red one is a salvia species, so related to sage. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. But, yeah, the, the, pinch off the red uh, petals and put all that in, the whole thing, and you get a really sweet little bang aftertaste in that. Wow. That's this what everyone so says. Trippy. Like, wow, that does not it. taste yeah, like that, it looks. <laughs> I thought it would taste like a flower, but it, it, you know what I mean. I thought it'd be like, oh yeah, I guess that could be considered food, but it just tastes like a vegetable or a fruit or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a lot sweeter than the other one. If a we're lot comparing, sweeter. and did you say it was a salvia? Salvia flower. Does it smell like sage? Anything to do with the sweetener? Isn't the sweetener? No. That's stevia. Oh. Yeah, very similar. <laughs> Look, there's no silly questions. <laughs> no, there is no silly questions. That's what you had. Now everyone you. knows. Thanks, Nat. See? Um, ask the questions. Always ask the questions. So related to sage, um, but you don't eat the leaves of the salvia. No, no, no. Just just the actual petals of that one. So it's Quite moorish. Yeah, I know. Mm. Well, you know, and that, that's a perennial shrub that's in flower now. There would probably be... Five hundred flowers on that right now, mm-hmm. just on one of the one of the shrubs. So oxalis is a weed. You see it everywhere. Yeah. Is it any different to like a culinary one? If I saw it growing as a weed in my garden on a nature strip, I could feasibly. Absolutely. Eat so it. remember, if it's going to be wild harvested, you've potentially got either dog piss or council mm. poison on it. So that would be something to be cautious mm. of. But it's in the back garden. It's probably only you know your partners had gone out for a wee, so you know yeah. your call. Cool. <laughs> if you're into that, that's yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, if it's if you know the source is safe, um, oxalis because you can eat the whole plant. You can eat the, the stems, mm. the leaves, everything mm-hmm. on oxalis. Um, probably the nicer one in here or maybe we'll leave that to last to refresh your palate there's a little white tubular one oh yeah no not that one that's that's rocket looks like a shuttlecock yes exactly looks like a shuttlecock um that's it nat next to the next to the orange one oh that one that one there yeah thank you um so this is allium triandrum this is garlic flour well it's related to garlic yeah all of it now it's strong i'll give you i'll give you a warning it's strong oh yeah it tastes like (laughs) a spring onion 
I feel like you can smell this when you're along the creek. That's the one. When you go for a walk. That's the one. Yeah, Mm. it's pretty strong. So in everything, you think about the leaves are kind of mild. The roots are a little bit stronger than the leaves and then the flower is stronger than the roots. But Mm. then the seed inside there, the embryonic seed, is the strongest of all of them because the plant puts all of its energy obviously into seed for reproduction. So Mm. these, these chemical compounds get stronger as it gets closer to the seed. It packs such a fulsome punch. punch. So your favourite cracker, a bit of pate, a little bit of pickled (gasps) onion and that on the top. Yeah, that's, truly. That's what we had for afternoon tea yesterday with the kids. <laughs> you could use that instead of a spring onion. Definitely. Absolutely, we use that for you know instead of garlic. It's it's botanically it's halfway between garlic and leek. Okay, yeah. yeah. So that's you know Allium. however you use any of them. Allium triandrum is, is its name. And do you ever find when you cook for other people, you put it in a salad and they like these flowers on top, and they just assume it's a garnish? Everywhere, and they pick it out? So, yeah. Mm. Um, I know. I often think about that at restaurants. It's like you know they've really considered this garnish, mm. and people are just got flick it on the floor. Mm. You know? it's like, it could be a really important element in the the mouthfeel and you know the tones and all that kind the of stuff. Flavor profile. Do you know of any nutritional value, or is it? Ah, uh, no, that's that's outside of my realm. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, there's that, there's got to be. There absolutely has to be. Yeah. So the purple one, that little purple, dark purple one, not the blue one. It, the keep going, keep going one. That, that's oh, it. The purple one is um, the purple wood violet. Mm. So all violets, all violas are edible. So have a smell of it first, and then oh, it's, into, mm. it's beautiful, isn't it? And then mm. <laughs> and it, so then the flavour. It's the same thing that hits your tongue when you when you eat the the. Eat, the petals. Something about purple, it being a purple flower, makes me nervous. Oh, really? I don't know. It's just like. Oh. Um, well, that's there's reason for that. The deadly nightshade, which is you know a purplish kind of that's flower, is deadly. That. Mm. <laughs> least favorite. That that's good, isn't it? Tastes it? like no. I'm least favorite. Tastes like a. Fl- tastes the most like a flower. Yeah, but it's very very floral. Obviously, that's why they put it in ice cubes and those kind of things. Oh, <laughs> it dulls okay. it down a little bit. Someone did ask how to get rid of oxalis because they have too much to eat. But Tom, I don't think you have too much to eat. Yeah, um, <laughs> share it. Yeah, um, the only way to get rid of it is to smother it out for yeah. for, for about five years. <laughs> That's that's how long it will take you. Just smothering it, just putting it sounds like, like a, a bad marriage. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, some sort of physical barrier cover over the top yep. of it to block out the light, and because then it has to exhaust. It's a bulb, so it has to exhaust all the energy out of its bulb mm. before it, it goes. Lucky last one there, if you want uh, the white one is rocket. This yeah, yeah that that's a rocket flower. So is um, it after rocket bolts or something like that, or just... yeah? So it's just on its way. Obviously, it's got to set seed for next year, being an annual. So this is obviously if you're eating flowers, you're not going to get seed from that floret. But um, yeah, it's just there's a slightly different tone. Yeah, some rockets are really punchy, and some are a little bit more mild. Yeah, um, I, I find the flowers a little bit more on the mild side. If you mm. don't really like super strong rocket, you can actually just eat the flowers instead. When you're in the garden, do you? Snack, or is it more like sit down and having collated things that are edible? Nah, snack. We're just yeah, just walking around snacking. So even with you know stuff along the creek, we're going for a walk with the dog and the kids and that kind of stuff. We're just mm. picking stuff as we go. Yeah, you know, it's like here's some of this, here's some of that. Try there's that. one here that looks like a daisy. Yes, that's calendula. Oh, really okay. common calendula. Um, you can eat all different parts of the calendula flower. Um, it's it's just a bit bland. It's very pretty. I was I was thinking about my plating then, mm. on because <laughs> I didn't have any orange it on the like plate. Felt like we were at Attica. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So all different sorts of stuff, and it goes on and on and on. You know, people that 
you can eat rosemary, you can eat lavender, you know, all mm. your common herbs, your basil flowers, they're all edible. Mm. Um, citrus blossom is beautiful. Apple blossom's beautiful to oh, eat. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you get these little hints of the flavour, plus depending on what stage the flower is in, if it's fresh, you're still getting the nectar and the pollen in it. So this combination of floral and sweet or sour or whatever it might be. Now, people are obviously very gun-shy now. There are grocers who say they can't sell their exotic mushrooms mm. and stuff like that. So is the, given that we can't carry around a digger in our pocket, what... At a price, you could. <laughs> <laughs> is, there a, is there a compendium or, you know, listeners... I think want to know if there is a guide to help us navigate what's edible and what's not. No, de- no definitive guide. You know, you've got your, obviously your, your apps on your phones and that kind of stuff. So it would be a good place to start is researching before you go. So even just start with the plants that you have at home, and I definitely identify the plants. So don't even some of the apps can be a little bit dodgy. So I wouldn't hundred percent trust them. Maybe take a little photo or a sample into a nursery and go, hey, I see this a lot. What is it? Is it safe? And, mm. you know, your horticulturists will be able to tell you. And we've been eating all the petals. Is, is there, are there flowers where you can eat the more than the petal that is holus bolus? Oh, absolutely. So one of our um, classic ones, the Carpa Brodus Modesta and Rossi, which is like the native pig face. You'd probably mm-hmm. see this native pig face kind of everywhere. It's on roundabouts and stuff everywhere. You actually eat down past the petals, so into the ovary of the of the flower, mm. which is that's where the the beautiful scented floral gel inside the ovary yeah. is the what was commonly eaten. Eaten. Um, and there was another. Oh, no, I lost it. Anyway, oh, any any good guidebooks? Someone wants to know. Um, yeah, no, no real guidebooks because yeah, it's just so. Or you should take varied. a sample. In. Yeah, take yeah, a sample, okay. get it identified. That's the first one I would do is just identify first to make sure it's safe because even common azaleas. Yeah. Azaleas are toxic. Daffodils, you eat a daffodil, you're not going to be in a good way. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, yeah. And what about dandelions are edible as well? Dandelions are edible. So, yeah, most of the daisy family, but then, you know, always double check. But Mm. anything that has that asteraceae family or the daisy-like flower is um, is edible. It's surprisingly hard work to chew a petal Mm. because you've really got to kind of focus on, like, crunching down to get the flavour. My jaw's exhausted. (laughs) Well, maybe slow down. It might be a weight loss technique to only eat petals, you know. Um, In the coming months, there's going to be a lot more coming out in spring, obviously. So these are some of the the winter delights. Yeah. Um, And then the spring ones will come. My favourite one in spring is the Fajoa flowers. I think I've mentioned that before. Mm. So when they hit, I'll bring you some in because they're, mm. they're something else. So they taste like Fajoa? No, they shit on the fruit. Fruit's oh, crap by so comparison. Interesting. Simon loves the Fajoa. <laughs> so do the Fajoas keep going through the warmer weather or no, it just comes all about the flower? The, no, the, oh, the, 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 the fruit comes from the flower. So once you have flower, then you get pollination. Okay. Pollination, germinate. Uh, <laughs> you get then you have the seed inside the ovary, which okay. develops and becomes the fruit. Okay. Someone wants to know if it's too late for jonquils to flower because theirs aren't flowering; they're just getting tall. Oh no, they're, they're going to flower. Then they're going to be a late jonquil because usually jonquils are first. Yeah. Um, but yeah, these are obviously a late one. If they're just still elongating, they're still going to flower. Are they poisonous? Yes. Okay. Same family. Don't eat in them. The, in the Narcissus family, oh. daffodils and jonquils. Okay. Yeah, from old mate Narcissus. Uh-huh. Uh, and. Sorry, this did this fall off something? Lucky last. So that's borage. You would have seen it in ice cubes everywhere. Yeah, the little blue one. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, but it's a borage flower. Um, they're a bit near, but again, it was great colour. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah. What do you, how would you describe that? It tastes like something else, but I don't know what. 
Cardboard? No, it's, it, it doesn't <laughs> pack a punch. That, yeah, yeah, that, <laughs> but even I, the yeah. texture and the just the mere act of consuming it is quite meditative. Yeah, I feel like a cow and cut <laughs> in my mouth. Yeah. Or yeah. The oxala is still my favourite, yeah, and that really? little red one, salvia. So the salvia. Yeah. Well, how yeah. about you guys? What's the favourite? Let's take a vote. Oh, well, wow. I mean the 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 zing. Of the oxalis. Yes, yep. but and what am I holding here? Calendula. Right. So they make tea out of this, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But all and ointment. It's quite medicinal, yeah. isn't it? The, the whole calendula. plant has got uses for all, in all different sorts of stuff, nutritional and medicinal. So I yeah. thought the the salvia, salvia. was my mm. favourite because of the sweetness. Yeah. It was, like, it was like a little lolly at the end. It's a lolly yeah. you didn't think. I'd I'd sprinkle the petals over some vanilla ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out. Mate, there's going to be a new book coming out of this segment. Uh (laughs) Breakfast as brekkie recipes. Uh, We have a lot of questions, but maybe maybe we'll get to them next time. Yeah, sure, whatever. Uh, But I've got to say, Council Poison is also my new favourite band name. Uh, Digger, we'll post the photos and information of what we've had online. And uh, thanks very much. Pleasure. Melbourne's own Triple R. I am currently looking for a new place to rent. So I went to a bunch of inspections over the weekend and it's definitely bumper to bumper out Mm. there. Bit of a tough task. But one thing I am enjoying though is the online description versus reality. Mm -hmm. That's fun. Yeah. So whoever's... Yeah, you got to find the silver lining. (laughs) Um, And whoever's writing these could definitely write fiction. (laughs) Fantasy even. It's like the Shire. It may as well be the Shire that they're describing out there. It's so far (laughs) from. Um, So the first one I went to was a spacious one-bedroom apartment which I feel like spacious and one-bedroom apartment just kind of contradict mm. themselves, don't they, a little yeah. bit? Or each other, sorry. Um, and well, it depends. It, you may have found a very special one. You're right. Well, not this one. <laughs> okay. But I like your optimism and you've got to be optimistic, um, which I really am. Um, but then it went on to say... Um, um, my favourite bit was secure this spacious, fully refreshed mm. one-bedroom apartment, not to be confused with fully refurbished <laughs> apartment. What the hell? Like defined refreshed. Cleaned. Painted. Painted. Well, I think painted is like at best the word like vacuumed exactly (laughs) not even i reckon like a light dust they opened a window and they just like zhuzhed the curtains with their hands maybe they put one of those little christmas like odor things in taxis Oh, the little the little air freshener, yeah. pine tree. Honestly, I'd be impressed with that based <laughs> based off what I, what I saw. Then they went on to say this refreshed apartment is ideally located in a vibrant and funky location. Funky, I know. All I right. enjoyed that. It's kicking. It's a bit of a throwback to the nineties. Yeah, eighties even. Yeah. And that vibrant and funky location. Did Chris Gill write this description? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. That makes sense <laughs> why know. he was there. He worked in real Get estate. Down. I mean, it was a dump, but he was charismatic. <laughs> <laughs> um, was it a funky? Was it a funky location? Funky can mean a bad. Technically, thing. it was correct because it was incredibly close to the funky high street in yeah. Thornbury. Lots of bars, but also this. It was essentially on the train tracks as well. <laughs> so it was very vibrant, like 
I don't know, the apartment would absolutely shake. And I'd be fine to live close to the train mm. track, but I think it was the proximity to the boom gates as well. That's oh, a double whammy. Mm. Yeah. I suppose funky is, yeah, if it's carrying the double meaning of it's perfectly located towards funk happenings and also there's heaps of mould. That's yeah, exactly. yeah. It was technically very apt when you put it like that. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a bit of fun. It, it is quite a tough out there, not only because it's like so many, like cost of living crisis, rental crisis, but since I've last looked for somewhere to live as well, I have also binged watched the entire series of Selling Sunset. Um. Either of you familiar with that? So that, some friends of mine recommended oh, oh. when you're on mat leave, you, you're going to love Selling Sunset. And I gave it about four minutes. Oh. I really was into it. Like I've t- I said earlier, I watched a whole bunch of crap <laughs> in the last six months, reality TV, free to wear, and I tried Selling Sunset and I couldn't do it. You couldn't do it? They're horrible people. Uh, horrendous. So it's not <laughs> even like a, they describe it as a docu-soap, not even a reality <laughs> so it's TV like, it's show. Like, um, Laguna Beach, right? The hills. Is this those... Sunset Strip? Like, are we in Hollywood? Where yeah, are we're in yeah, Hollywood. Real they're just real estate and they're selling these multi-million dollar homes. And, well, it got me hook, line and sinker. <laughs> I did it all through lockdown mm. and I went back for season six, I think, that came out at the start of the oh, I think it definitely came out at <laughs> the start of the year and I watched every second of it. <laughs> I'm in. I'm invested. So I've learnt a lot about real estate. You know, they're selling properties like 4,000 plus square feet, mm. you know, infinity pools shielded from the paparazzi. You know, there was an open inspection where they served Botox. You could get Botox, what? a shot of Botox, while you're inspecting the house. So this has become because I went to there was an auction in my street, and I was just sticky beaking. I wasn't bidding. Yeah. Um, a few months ago, and we wandered down to it, and they had um, what were they do? They're giving out bottles of water. Yeah. And they had an ice cream truck, an oh. ice cream, not ice cream, little stand for free ice cream. So this must be catching on. I'd never seen anything like it. Yeah, but that's for buyers. Renters want ice cream too. <laughs> I Come know. on. We're essentially paying people's mortgages. <laughs> like, lay it on for us. There was a mansion in Perth that had invited everyone to this open for inspection, but also influencers. And so there were canapes and no one ate anything. But the people who were on the market to buy didn't know if their person was also on the market to buy or just an influencer who was there to promote the oh. open for inspection. But that was a – it sounds like the sort of idea they get from this Sunset show. Mm. It's exactly it. It is. Well, it's catching on, but not at the inspections I'm going to. Damn. And that's like – I mean, I would just be thrilled with the real estate agent to turn up like maybe – Half an hour within the time they listed, like that, I'd find impressive. A glass of soda water, gorgeous. Amazing. The electricity to be on, so you could actually see the mold in the bathroom clearly in all its glory. I love the wrong keys. That's one of my favourite oh, things. Yeah. When they turn up and they don't have the right keys. I've had that once before, and then it wasn't even the wrong key, but they just couldn't. They weren't doing the. They weren't turning it properly. Uh, yes, yes. My one not... was they went to the wrong door. It was oh. the right key, wrong door. <laughs> but everyone's upended their own day to get there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you see the same people. Like you're racing around town trying to make – it's like a it's like some a form of like a race really because mm. you're all you, – you identify certain people, you're in a similar budget – 
I don't know, I know similar pay start, bracket. And you start you, to see each other and you think, oh, and then they're your competition. Yeah. And you hate them. And then they're turning into the street right before you. You're cutting <laughs> each other off. Actually, it should be. there's another reality oh. show at the opposite end of the market. Yeah, just really exploiting renters on TV. And yeah. And then the, the price, there's no price. Yeah, just more shame and embarrassment. That's exactly <laughs> what we need. Some of the features that, like, are getting spruiked at the places I'm looking for are plenty of cupboard space. Uh, space for a dining table was a big brag and a shower above a bath is huge. They love to talk about that. And then they love to put a disclaimer at the top of um, or like on the inspection to avoid disappointment, please register to, to inspect properties. You have to register. Mm. Um, yet they mention nothing about the infinite disappointment you'll feel after seeing the actual property. A dining table. <laughs> yeah. I, I, isn't that code for... Finished. You can eat at home. Yeah, it's huge. Like because you, you can't afford to go out anymore. Well, or there's enough room where you don't have to have a stable table on your sad couch. Yeah, and look. To be fair, staring it is, at your funk. It is definitely brag worthy, actually. Okay, good. Well, looking forward to coming over and dining at your dining. Yeah, room. you're all welcome. Triple R. Indeed, we're joined by the intellectually and athletically vigorous Dr. Jen. Morning, Dr. Jen. Good morning. Well, I'm feeling very vigorous today because it's National Science Week and, you know, that's just the best week of the year. Why aren't you all jumping up and down with joy? We are. (laughs) We did last week when we talked to Linda Sprawl about about the events for Science Week. Okay, good. And then we're saving more energy for you. Okay, excellent. Yeah, there's been some super fun events. I've had the joy of doing all sorts of fun things. So just, you know, it's a fun week. But uh, I thought today in honour of National Science Week we'd share a bit of a good news story um, so let's let's start by talking exercise. We all know we need to do it. Daniel immediately rolled his eyes at me just then. <laughs> Daniel, do you know what the government guidelines, like what the recommendations are for how much exercise adults should do? Uh, I'd maybe get off your ass for five <laughs> to 20 minutes. I, I don't know. I didn't know the government was telling it. I didn't know there were guidelines. Yeah, the just, just, <laughs> just like kind of the seven veggies. Bloody nanny state. Yeah. <laughs> Is it 30 minutes a day? Um, so basically the idea is you should be active most days, um, preferably every day. And over the period of a week, they recommend somewhere between two and a half and five hours of moderate physical activity where moderate is walking briskly or, you know, playing golf or going for a swim, mowing the lawn, that kind of thing. But somewhere between one and a half and two and a half hours of really vigorous exercise. So thinking, you know, jogging, riding your bike quickly, playing a team sport, playing soccer or something. So just like the government says, you know, we recommend that you should have seven veggies and five fruit or what is it? I can never remember. Five, five and two. two. Whatever it is. You can tell I really know these recommendations <laughs> very well. You know, that's, that's the recommendation for what we should have. And, of course, we know why that is. Exercise reduces our risk or can help you manage if you've got type 2 diabetes or cardiovascular disease, um, can improve blood pressure, cholesterol, all sorts of things. And, of course, exercise could also be really good for our mental health. So this isn't just physical health. Um, And we know that exercise reduces the risk of some kinds of cancer. So particularly um, liver, lung, breast, kidney, bowel cancer, we know that those cancers are influenced by exercise. Um, But as Daniel's reaction would have suggested, for some people it's, it's either impossible 
or just really difficult mm. to fit in structured exercise. You know, going to the gym can be expensive. Um, if the only time in your day you could possibly go for a run is really early in the, in the morning and you don't feel safe doing that where you live, maybe that's not an option. I mean, you know, what do you think? Do, do you, you know, for, for most people, Winter is, is it actually hard. an option? Winter yeah. is hard because, yeah, if, if it gets dark early... And things like that if you want to, if you're someone who runs or goes outside or... Mm. Especially this morning. It was really bloody cold. Yeah, exactly. I've been trying to endorse incidental exercise by just running a few minutes behind for public transport. So it forces a jog. <laughs> That's exactly what we're going to talk about. So if we accept that some people love going off and doing organised activity, that's great, excellent. But for some people, it's it's either very difficult or not enjoyable or not possible. How about this... Exactly what you're talking about, um, Nat. You know, if you run for a minute to catch your bus or your tram or whatever, what does that mean? And so the study I want to tell you about was just published a couple of weeks ago and they asked the question, can those really short little bouts of exercise that are common in many people's lives, doesn't involve any planning or any money, um, can they reduce your risk of getting cancer? Wow. Which is a pretty awesome question to ask. So the scientific name for this is VILPA, V-I-L-P-A, which stands for Vigorous Intermittent Lifestyle Physical Activity. Wow. VILPA, what it really means to us is walking really fast for a minute or two to get to your, you know, to get to public transport or walking uphill for a minute, um, carrying a backpack or carrying heavy shopping bags, choosing to go up the stairs rather than taking the lift, cleaning your house, doing some gardening, Digger would love that, mm-hmm. um, playing with your kids. So, you know, things that are part of most people's lives. The question is, can that change your risk of getting cancer. So they had 22,000 people in their study. These are people who declared that they don't do any structured exercise, also people who'd never been diagnosed with cancer. Um, Their average age was 62, and for a week they all wore one of those wrist um, trackers that has an accelerometer in it, which means they get really accurate information about how much the person is moving and how often they're moving. Um, And then they... Um, gather that information and a whole lot of other information that you could imagine might be important, like other health factors, um, whether they drink alcohol, smoking, all of the things that you could expect might have an influence on whether they get cancer or not. Um, And then they followed them for six and a half odd years and then said, okay, well, let's look at how much um, of these kind of intermittent short bouts of exercise they're doing and relate that to whether they received a cancer diagnosis, whether they were hospitalised with cancer and whether they died from cancer. And as I said, they took into account other things that would influence cancer risk. Um, as I said, it's a good news story. So what are your guesses for how big a positive impact it has? So we're talking a minute at a time, a few times talking, a day. Yeah, we're talking a minute or two here and there, up to maybe four minutes a day of doing exercise. that gets your heart rate up. Big effect, little effect? Oh, well, I would imagine a small effect, but given it's a study you've brought to us, <laughs> I might be wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm inclined to drink the Kool-Aid here and say it was a huge effect. Yeah, it was a, it's a, the, I think the results are really striking. So remember, even though these participants aren't doing any structured exercise, almost all of them did have bouts of exercise in their day. So 94% of them did record on their little wrist trackers, these short bursts of vigorous activity, um, and most of them were, were up to a minute in length. So we're talking really short. This is not a lot of time investment here. Um, and they found that... 
um, up to three and a half minutes a day of activity reduced your risk of getting cancer by about 18%. Wow. And if you did four and a half minutes a day, it was um, associated with a 21% reduction in total cancer risk. But then if you look, remember I said some cancers that we know are particularly affected by exercise. So if we now only look at the cancers that we know have this relationship with exercise, so think breast, lung, bowel cancers, um, this was even stronger. In this case, three and a half minutes a day of this exercise um, resulted in a risk reduction of 29%. And at four and a half minutes a day, it was 32%. So a 30% reduced risk of getting something like breast cancer if you're spending four and a half minutes a day, you know, going up and down the stairs, working in the garden, sweeping the driveway, Mm. um, you know, walking really quickly down the street to get to something on time. I mean, it's... I, th- I just think this is such a good news story. Mm. Um, obviously, you know, this was a kind of one of those retrospective studies. We can't talk about cause, you know, like this is a correlation rather than a causation. We can't say what it is about the exercise that is reducing the risk of cancer. Um, but clearly there are things going on in our bodies when we get our heart rates up even for really short periods that are having some sort of an effect here. Because like I said, they did control for all of those other things. They made sure that the people doing the least exercise weren't just the unhealthiest in a whole lot of other, mm. you know, for a whole lot of other reasons. Truly. I mean, you go to Paris and see an elderly person who has legs like Arnold Schwarzenegger because they live in a walk-up yep. apartment. And mm. I, there's just something always inspiring about living in a community where people are on the move. Yep. And it, walkable it, cities. Yes, well, and it? whoever regrets exercising once they've done it, never. You never regret it. Do I always say? You never regret a Even swim. If, no, that's right. <laughs> it's. It's. I mean, I don't know. This is goes beyond the boundaries of the study, but then it m- makes you think about the reduction of risk went up with each minute in yeah. that study. So, like. When you do half an hour a day, <laughs> do you suddenly have a 50% reduced <laughs> yeah. risk? I mean, look, they haven't looked at that. Yeah. And, and my guess would be that it's one of those things that if we drew ourselves a little graph, you know, it would kind of tail off. Yes. Because at some point, you know, if that were true, then if we all exercise for 10 hours a day, does that mean that we have a 0% risk of getting <laughs> cancer? Sadly not. That's not mm. really how it works. But, mm. but I like the way you think <laughs> that it suggests that. Um, whatever you are able to do. The message for me in this is that whatever you can fit in is worth it. Mm. So if you have limitations, whether they be physical or mental or financial or time or whatever it is, if you have limitations that mean that going off and doing some structured exercise, whatever it is, is just feels impossible, the message here is that that's okay. You know, those government guidelines are there and it's good to know about them, but if you can't meet them, that's not a reason to say, well, I'll never get up off my couch. Because mm. this is saying that even if you can walk down the street really quickly for a minute you can choose to take the stairs where possible you can do something in your garden you know whatever it is carry your shopping bags then that could be having a positive impact on your life I I just think that's really good to know and and, you know they've said this is quite preliminary work you know there's a lot more study to be done but there's a clear link here um, and maybe this is 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 an intervention that we should all be aware of and is kind of within everyone's grasp to Mm. do. I love that they're just, just reading the headline of the report, the uh, 
they're described as non-exercising adults. Yeah. <laughs> that is what you want on your tombstone. That's uh, right. I was a non-exercising adult who nevertheless yes. climbed up the stairs at every opportunity. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that, well, happy National Science Week, Dr Jen. And to you. And a uh, happy jog home. Oh, thanks. I shall. Triple R. The big issue, the independent not-for-profit dedicated to supporting and creating work opportunities for people experiencing homelessness and disadvantage, this week launches its 19th fiction edition to tell us about this bumper issue. Hot off the press and the biggest selling fiction magazine in Australia, we're joined by editor of The Big Issue, Amy Hetherington. Amy, welcome back to Breakfasters. Yeah, good morning. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. Uh, Well, congratulations. Thanks. So what are we talking here? I imagine hundreds hundreds upon hundreds of submissions of columns coalesced into this? Yeah, look, this is one of those magazines that is months and months in the making. We launch an open submissions around February or March and we invite people to send in their stories. Um, We received just under 700 this year from all around the country. So we read through all those. We have two judges. One is Mel Fulton, who is a triple R broadcaster, um, who you know well. Um, And the other is Claire Cow, who's in Sydney. She's our film editor. She also uh, is part of the Sweatshop Initiative up there. She's also a writer. So they have to read through all of them. They shortlist them down to 30, which is no easy task. And then the editorial team get together with them and we go through trying to pick out uh, to create a collection. There's 12 stories in here. So it's about finding a really good balance and mix of stories um, so that you get a lot of different genres, a lot of different voices in the final magazine mm. and have a great read essentially. And what about for the organisation? What, what does it mean to have a tentpole issue like this come out every year? Look, it's, a, it's one of those editions that people ask their vendors about. When is this coming out? It's also in winter. And we know in Melbourne today we were talking about how cold it is. And it's really great for our vendors to have something, a bumper edition, during this season. Um, but it's also one of the best sellers. So it is the best-selling fiction edition in the country, but it's also one of the best-selling editions for our vendors. And that's key. So that's why we exist, so that our vendors can earn an income, but also so we can tell great stories. And this edition really does that on a whole sort of extra level. Mm. Now, there's a cat on the front. Yes. What's the meaning behind that? (laughs) Look, there is a cat on the front. Look, every year we we notice themes in um, the stories that come through and it's really interesting. And this year there was lots of themes about um, AI and influences, um, parent-children relationships, the apocalypse, which was very – there's a story in here that's very Mm -hmm. Oppenheimer-esque, but also from a school kid's perspective – but there was also a theme of cats <laughs> and our illustrator didn't know this. She sent through some different sketches and one had a cat on it and I don't know what that actually means. Like those other things like the apocalypse and things that you can sort of see, oh, this is post-COVID, but maybe cats as well. So there's actually a story in here called The Cat, which is brilliant. It's one of the, my favourites when I was reading through it. Um, and there's another one in here called Gravel Rash, which has got a very cat theme as well. Mm. So I don't know what you guys think about it. Oh, yes. I love it. Also an antidote to dog stories, I imagine. Yes. Yeah. It was nat- there was National Cat Day last year, last week, I think. So ah. maybe they're inspired. I don't know. Yeah. We, we, we were looking up the other day what cats meant in dreams and it didn't seem like a very positive thing. <laughs> that was... 
probably an anti anti cat pro dog person. <laughs> <laughs> and how did the uh, fiction edition come to be? Like, how was it kind of? What was the origin story of it? Yeah, look, we, we launched it nineteen years ago. Wow, and it was actually launched over a summer because it's one of those periods when in publishing, you know, you want to try and get stories up and. Um, make sure that you have something over the summer break, the summer period. And we, in this edition, we have invited four um, well-known authors to commit to provide stories. So it's not just all through open submissions. So we have Paige Clark, Trent Dalton, Zoya Patel and Nina Wan. Um, but in those early days, they were all commissioned stories. Mm. Um, and then eventually, I'm not sure how it came about that we then opened it up um, for submissions. Um, and now it's just one of those ones that I think writers around the country wait for. Mm-hmm. Um, anyone who's published, gets it's $500. We don't have a first prize, second prize. Um, and that's all thanks to the Copyright Agency's Cultural Fund. We get funding for this. It's the only edition that we get funding for. Um which is really fantastic. Um, and it's 16 extra pages so we can tell more stories. But I, it really came out of that whole thing of um, planning and trying to come up with an idea, but it was a great idea mm. and one that I think our readers and our vendors really responded to. What do you enjoy about short storytelling? Um, I think it's a way of reflecting life back at us. Um, I think it's like any fiction. It, it Sometimes it lets us stand in other people's shoes. You see the world through other perspectives. But I think fiction is a way of us understanding what we're going through collectively sometimes, but just in a different way. Um, I think it's sometimes really clever and it's funny and it's escapism. There's a story in here that I particularly... It makes me laugh. I've read it about five or six times now and it's by Nina Wen and it's about um, it's about a father and a daughter going skiing and she's trying to get Taylor Swift tickets. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was just so much of the moment. It really spoke about what was going on out there. Um, but it also has those universal themes of parents and children um, and it's just brilliant and it's just done in such this small little snapshot um, and I love that about short stories too is like with this collection and any collection of short stories you can just dip in and out of them and you can have a busy life and sit down and read one go away and then you're in another world again with a different story. Mm. Can you I was just going to say it's not all it's not all fiction you do have some things that occur in the regular big issue. You've got the vendor profile, which most people who've ever picked up a copy would be familiar with, but what is it that you love about that section of the map? Look, the vendor profile is the heart of the big issue. Our vendors are the heart of the big issue. And the vendor profile or meet your vendor is really every edition, one of our vendors will tell their story. Um, and this edition we have Kylie who sells in Mooney Ponds on, I think it's... Puckle Street. Puckle Street. Mm. Um, and... It tells the story not only of Kylie but also why the big issue exists and why why we do what we do. And that is, as um, we were saying earlier, it's to provide a work opportunity for people who have maybe experienced homelessness or some kind of disadvantage. And as I've been the editor for seven years and every time that I speak to vendors I see the difference that it makes for them the the income from the magazine but also the community that builds around them when you uh, a lot of people have local vendors a lot of people tell me about their local vendors and they know them really well and they've become incredibly important parts of their community and their neighborhoods um, and I think that that's why um, the the vendor profile is so important because it provides a platform for people to tell their stories 
who might not normally be able to tell their stories in mainstream media. Mm. Um, and so that's a really important thing about the mag too, I think. It's been a consequential seven years for you at the helm. I can't imagine more curveballs being thrown at the editor of the big issue. Can you take the temperature for us uh, of what the vendors are experiencing? We're talking cost of living, where there might be foot traffic considerations. There's the maybe cash situation as a currency declining, can you bring us up to speed on what it's like at the apex of the big issue? Yeah, look, we were really impacted by COVID. Um, Our vendors couldn't work. They couldn't be out there. Um, And and that's really important. I mean, for a lot of us, we couldn't work, but um, it really affected people who are more vulnerable. Um, And we're slowly, slowly, slowly coming back. We had a Barbie edition recently. It went off. Um, (laughs) Matilda's edition is the best-selling edition we've had since COVID outside of Christmas or special editions, Um, which makes sense, really. (laughs) Um, And hopefully the fiction edition will go even better. But um, it's been really tough for our vendors. The foot traffic is a big thing. We've moved a lot of vendors were in the city they're now selling in the suburbs because we're trying to find new places for our vendors to sell where their customers are um we've worked with people like australia post so that um and the body shop so that vendors can go and get the magazines from other outlets not just having to come into the city to our office to get the magazines um and also people even like woolies so we're getting more pictures outside of suburban woolworths which is really important for our vendors but it's still really tough and so if you do see a vendor we ask that if you 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 might not buy the magazine you might have already bought that edition but it's really great to stop and say hi because if you're there and you're selling fewer copies it's even tougher when you've got a lot of people walking past and being ignored Mm -hmm. um and we've found, particularly also since COVID, that uh, cashless payments have really, really increased. So uh, not all our vendors accept cashless payment. It's a choice, um, but a lot of them do, and they have pay ID or they have um, a square device tap and go. Um, so if you're out there and you don't have cash on you, you can always ask them if they accept um, cashless payments. It's also a tough thing to be able to do cashless payments if you're living in a precarious situation. How do you charge your phone? How do you charge your device? Do people all have ID or bank accounts? So there's a lot of different um, things that go into all of that. But we are still thriving. We're, we're, we're doing really well. We have editions like this. We have a lot of supporters out there. Um, but we do ask. It, it's still tough. And so if you do see a vendor, please say hi, buy a mag. The fiction edition is particularly fantastic, so it maybe is a great excuse. It also has 16 extra pages, so you're getting <laughs> more bang fever. Beautifully said. Why would you not pick up an issue of the fiction edition? And ta- it, I imagine it really takes the temperature of the Australian literary fiction scene as well. It, yeah, it really does. I think that it's one of those magazines that when we tell people they're in it, we get such a positive response. Um, I've had writers, well-known writers pitch stories to us Um, to say, look, it's been my dream to be in the Big Issue Fiction Edition. Would you accept this story um, as well? So... um we, we don't often say yes to that we, because there's the submission process there for a reason. But um, I think that it is well-respected. It's always well-received. It's always a fantastic read. Yeah. Australia's biggest-selling fiction magazine is out now, The Big Issue's Fiction Edition, uh, chock full of short stories, and we've been privileged to speak with editor of The Big Issue, Amy Hetherington. Thanks, Amy. Yeah, thank you. Triple R on FM, digital, online and via the app. 
I'm coming in hot with some fashion news, I guess, because what is the breakfast is known for if it's not our incredible fashion sense? Yes, please stop texting and telling us how good we look please, all the time. Please, we know. <laughs> no, but yesterday we were talking repurposing denim jeans oh, yes. into bags. We learned what the little pocket was for. But then someone did, because we learned, well, Daniel learned that the watch, the small pocket in jeans was originally for your little pocket watch, but someone said incorrect. I can't remember. Actually, I think they were joking that it was incorrect. They they wanted to believe it was for cartwheels. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> well, both. Putting your, both. Putting your pocket watch when you do a cartwheel. For both. Um, but I guess when it comes to repurposing <laughs> denim, some great news has come from the northern hemisphere that they um, are calling that jorts are the the shorts of this summer. So basically jorts are like were really popular in like the late 90s, early 2000s. They're like baggy jean shorts essentially. Long long jean shorts. Yeah, long jean shorts. So it goes to like over your knee if you want. Or yeah, just on your knee. Oh, just on your knee. Okay. Really right. unflattering. Yeah. Like the most unflattering cut. Don't it, you think? Well, I don't know. That's the thing I've never known. And I, I feel like it always changes, but maybe it's always stayed the same and I just haven't mm. paid enough attention. But you're saying above the knee is unflattering. No, like on the knee. On is, the knee. It's tough. Yeah, I think so. The general like rule of thumb, like a higher waisted oh, yeah. like jeans tend to make you lo- your legs look longer. Mm. Gives that illusion. So if it's low slung jeans on the hips mm. and then a longer length, uh, short, yeah, it's going to give Stumpy. a sh- it's going to give a shortening effect. Absolutely, mm. it's going to make. But you they're look. back. They're back. On the plus side, they're comfortable. Mm. Yeah, I much prefer this than short shorts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I say this every year with any trends. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to be wearing that. Give it six months. You're I'll in be- the jorts. I'm in the jorts. Uh, it'll get me eventually. But whatever. That's. It's great because it's an um, easy to kind of DIY yourself as well. If you wanted to make a pair of jorts, you could get a baggy pair of jeans from the op shop and you could just lop it off with some scissors. Take them to Nat's mum. Yeah. Bro, mm. You don't even need cut, – cut her out of it. <laughs> just do it yourself. Feel empowered. Yeah, you want a hem on them, yeah. don't you? Oh, nah, hem. It's more punk with the fray at the bottom. But anyway, so that's that's great. But what I'm more interested in is, like, it's not warm yet. It's very chilly. But it will be soon, spring. We have had a bit of taste of it, this unseasonably yes. warm winter. And how quick are you to bust out the shorts? Like, do you kind of sit on it for a while? Is there an optimum temperature that you're looking to hit? Does it need to get out of the teens, into the 20s? Because I know mm. I've noticed my I, – I feel like my boyfriend's jumped the gun a few times. Like, the sun, he hasn't gone outside and I've seen him and he's been wearing, like, shorts and a T-shirt and he's just got – overzealous and excited yeah i know that feeling yeah so he's like ah, he's and i'm go really short already you mm. duffer he's like nah nah i'll always just like shoot for the stars put the shorts on <laughs> <laughs> what's your approach to getting the legs out well if my first one is the jacket that goes and uh, then so that's a little balloon a trial balloon that goes up mm. and then maybe we'll enter into the short territory but i'm i'm way late to the part you know yeah. i'm mm. i'm clinging on to those Full-length jorts. <laughs> Which also known as jeans. Yeah. <laughs> For as long as possible. So you'll push it out maybe all through spring into summer potentially. Probably, yeah. Because oh. I, I, do, I don't know. I Honestly, 
I don't know what shoes to wear with shorts. Mm. I don't know what socks to wear with shorts. I don't know what thongs or sandals to wear with shorts. I don't know the length of the shorts. I'm totally at sea. It's hard. He's having a hard time. Thank you. (laughs) That's interesting as well, thongs. It's like do you bring the thongs in with the jeans is another option. You know, you keep the feet Mm. cooler. That's a summer look. And then – Because it has to – the whole thing has to change. If if you're going into shorts territory, then Mm. the shoes have to be considered. Whereas if you go long pants – and some are up, up top. That's the only thing that has to yes. change. Yeah. So you, uh, yeah. Thongs are definitely on my jeans to shorts pipeline. Ah. Uh, okay. So oh, say that again. Do you go so, jeans and thongs? Yes. And ah, okay. So the sh- the feet transition first. That's right. Exactly. Interesting. And then it goes upwards. You would never do shorts and thongs on the same day. That would be too, too much. Soon. Too much. Too fast. Too much to handle. Yeah. yeah. You feel like legs. you could spot those people as well. Like if I was to see someone out. Maybe in the warmer weather, mm. if you saw them in thongs and shorts, you'd go, oh. Well, someone did text in and say, dress for the weather you want. Ah. So that's what that ah. person would be I doing. I like it, but yeah. be prepared to be cold. I'd also tag on that. You know, that's want. it. It's fake it till you make it. I, I, you know, there's sun out there at the moment. It might be four degrees, but from sitting in here looking out the window, it looks warm. And I can guarantee yeah. Digger, who's in tomorrow... Has never worn a pair of pants in his life. Never. No, and so he's a big shorts. He might, maybe he'll be into the jorts this summer. Yeah, we should let him know. What about you, Mon? What goes first? What's the for threshold? You? Oh, yeah. it's always it's always short sleeves first before okay. I can go because it's easier to. You can't like you can put a jacket on, you can put a jumper on, whatever. You can't chop and change throughout the day if you've no. committed to shorts. It has yep. to be an all day Absolutely. thing. Yep. But it's it's a very exciting day. When you get to get your legs out. What about for you, sandals, thongs? For me, that's a big deal, getting the feet out, and I think potentially is what I'd do last. Yeah. No, I'm I am big into wearing sandals. Okay. With shorts. I mean, I don't know. Now it's quite yeah, well, into question. Yeah, you've got to think I've about got... these things. Did, sorry, didn't, you, weren't, didn't we just get photos taken recently and I saw some commentary around Socks your... and sandals. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I don't mind a bit of that. And thank you to whoever commented on that photo. Oh, it wasn't really? like, welcome back, Mon, come, I'd see you. It just was like all lowercase socks and sandals. <laughs> <laughs> see, the stakes are so high. So then, see, that you can diversify. You could take your socks off through it. I wouldn't do that. I'd never do that. It's a fun way to accessorize. Yeah, it's become really big, the socks and sandals with Birkenstocks. I think I started it. Yeah. <laughs> must be. Happened here first. <laughs> I know, yeah, but the, the the toes for me is a big thing, getting them out. You mm. want to make sure they're in tip-top condition. Oh, I get a little pedicure. Yeah. Mm. I feel like I'll go shorts and then I'll hang on to shoes and socks for a while. And then oh, okay. it'll be summer and then I'll bust the feet out. Yeah, okay, fair enough. And then once it's very hard to, like once once you've had a, a good run of sort of sandals, thongs, weather, Yeah. then it's so easy. You just slip them on, you walk out the door. It's very hard to go back to having to lace anything up. Yeah. You know, I'll commit to, to wearing Birkenstocks for months and months because it's easy. That's why I put socks on. Mm. I can recommend it. But then it'll get really hot and it'll go backwards and it'll be too hot to go outside. Mm. Or you've got to cover up. Mm. Very fair skin. It's got to be in long sleeves. got to be in So what's your, what's your threshold? Do you dress for the weather you want? Uh, I hate being cold, so no. Oh. Yeah. Because obviously you dress for the job you want, but the idea that you can manifest meteorology mm. <laughs> through your clothing is fantastic. And, and of course, I think Digger wears uh, steel cap thongs. <laughs> Triple R. Triple R. Triple R. Triple R. 
producer, comedian Irvi Majunda, can do it all except probably your own taxes. Morning, Irvi. <laughs> oh, such good memory. Thanks. <laughs> uh, what's news? Um, thanks so much for having me. I I thought I'd just give you guys an update because uh, last last time I was like newly single. I still am. Um, but yeah, if you wanted to hear more about that, of course we want to um, hear more. No, yeah, we so don't. Change the <laughs> Wind it up. Um, I'm doing better. I feel like I'm getting a grasp of it a bit better now. Um, but I was thinking the other day how um, in like lonely moments my phone is like out to get me I feel mm-hmm. hear me out because um when I first when I first moved out I got new everything I just like splurged and bought a new phone and I don't know if you guys have a phone that does this but it's just like automatically downloaded like all my memories from like, the last seven <laughs> years <laughs> old photos videos everything and I didn't think about it much then but now it's just like it's gotten like really creative and every day it makes like at least four videos for me <laughs> with backing tracks <laughs> and all in different like filters of like it's like compare now and then and it's like just me and Jonathan like out on holidays or like cooking in lockdown and like the stuff you'd put in funeral videos yeah. <laughs> um yeah isn't that great to experience your own eulogy <laughs> yeah. when the algorithm just spits it at you in your yeah. own bed while you're commuting on a tram Literally, to work like, first thing in the morning right before bed um, <laughs> It's just like forever, like never forget um, yeah. that you were happy once. And yeah, I feel like that's the real way that um, AI is going to kill us. Um, Emotionally, slowly. Yeah, literally, because I feel like um, with all this like AI talk, I've been thinking about like how the world's going to end and stuff. And um, it's not going to be like, uh, you know, in this like weird sci-fi glitch or something. It's just going to be them sending you videos that make you want to die um, <laughs> while you're close to things like Everyone knives Everyone will die of a broken heart. Yeah. 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 I think it's going to be insidi- more insidious than just like something too obvious. <laughs> it strikes on your birthday. <laughs> the, do you find the? What do you think of the music? I mean, it's it's almost like designed by yeah. a computer to make you cry sometimes. It is. I'm wondering where they got it from because I need to um, make some videos myself and like the music rights. It's like a whole thing I'm learning about. And um, yeah, they seem to have original music, but it sounds like Nickelback. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's, just... that's what you're going for. Yeah. Yeah. How do I get Nickelback cover band? <laughs> In my material. I know. I should, like, they should have like a question section of like, how did you make this? Um. Yeah, I mean, I've been a part of arranging a few funerals and there's oh. a v- montage, a bit of a skill I've got. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning. Yeah. <laughs> the montage is very affecting, mm. uh, but the length of a song matters, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah, exactly. And there's some that um, obviously you want like every, I feel like when I think about my own funeral, I want like all my favourite songs, but that would go for hours as well. So you mm. need to like... Like be considerate of, of a party. People. Imagine busting because I know for like shows and events you have to pay like royalties, mm. you know, just a blanket fee if you're mm. playing like certain tracks. Imagine and same with cafes. Imagine busting a funeral for using tracks that mm. haven't. <laughs> paid. Yeah. Hang on a minute, do you have rights for that Nickelback track? Well, your grandma's gonna have to wait. Apparatus <laughs> handcuffs. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna like remember in silence. Um, so yeah, that's been going on. But I am. I feel like I'm getting. Uh, I've been listening to lots of podcasts about being single and thriving and stuff and I did take your advice Nat and I had like one two months of like going crazy on um the apps did I say that yeah but now I'm kind of over it I'm reaching a zen time and I tried to like I was just wondering if you guys have any ideas about like single dates because um my podcast is telling me to date myself and <gasps> what's your favorite thing that you love like <laughs> Daniel's rolling his eyes um oh. date yourself like like love yourself yeah 
yeah, me like, what's time. Fun? My psych was like, what's an activity that you can do that's just like by yourself and fun? And I was like, go to the gym. I just like <laughs> try harder. <laughs> go to the movies. Yes. Or I, was, I love, like I'd always organize when I was on the apps to play table tennis, big for an uh, activity. So I'm just trying to think, yourself. how can you do that on yourself? <laughs> that's what? so sad. What? It's like Millhouse rowing in the boat with one oar. Like, <laughs> it is Millhouse. I see like a cubby house. Hitting it against the one. wall. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, that is like so mean. What is it to play tennis? I'm going to stitch Irby up. You know what you should try? Or you should go to the boathouse on your own. Not only is that like difficult to row on your own, but it's it is um, unsafe probably as well. What was like disturbing about the photos because um all all the photos on my phone it's like now and then and then it's like all like happy memories and now it's like it's really hard to take. Like I feel like I'm getting paranoid about like having like different like lumps and bumps on my body. Try to like take a photo so you can like check out yourself, like what's doctor. got like medical photos. <laughs> yeah, yeah all hard without a partner. That was a Tinder profile pic, so no wonder. <laughs> that should be your first day going to your GP. <laughs> exactly, go to a dermatologist. <laughs> I've been seeing her way too much already. She's like, stop coming to me every week, um, just you know, for some attention. But I did go to a myth film, which was really fun um, by myself the other day. But um, yeah, it was like it was really just like made me cry unexpectedly, and then I had to walk to my car like a kilometre away and it felt very Melbourne so you know crying in the cold watching a myth film. Um, I respect respect any theatre or film that puts the most emotional moment at the, a place in the film, maybe four fifths of the way through, yeah. and then they give you one fifth of the movie to clean yourself up. To, yeah, yeah. You know, to sort of yeah. respect, <laughs> respecting your audience is what yeah. that is. Yeah, you don't want to leave it on. But that. did you do it? I think you've got to do something like you went to the myth film, but like, how do you make it a date with yourself? Did mm. you buy yourself something special? Did you? Um, wear I bought a something? really big glass of wine because they were like they do like the three hundred mils now, and I skull that. <gasps> I think I need to do something nicer than that. Um, that. Can, could, yeah, nice could be one way to describe it. <laughs> yeah. Are you okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get the trilogy wine glass, please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll get the um, bottle. Your teeth are already me. purple. Well, it's not our fault that they're shaming us now with the wine sizes. No, yeah. who's shaming you? who? They're offering it. No, I'm they, 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 it. there never used to be gradations. You'd get a glass of wine and that would be it. And yes. now it's like I'll have the triple feature with those shorts and the. <laughs> yeah. But good service would be just a generous pour, knowing that someone is That's going true. into a film and not making us ask for it. Totally, yeah, or pay, pay for it. For it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. But I am, um, yeah, I feel like I'm doing what's something fun. I'm going to go to Officeworks this weekend and buy a new computer. Okay. Oh, oh no, that's that not really better. a date, but yeah. I mean, the staff at Officeworks are incredibly friendly. Yeah, oh my exactly. God. <laughs> <laughs> this no, an I'm not to set them up. I'm just saying you'll have a nice time. <laughs> I'm going to go early in the morning when they have energy. So yeah, <laughs> chat away. Are you buying a new computer hoping that um, this one, unlike your phone, doesn't oh. feed you happy? memories that yeah. are now sad memories <laughs> that's really true this time if it's like do you want to download everything i'm just going to be like no and um you know start live fresh my life. so you yeah. find it difficult to be alone um i do i feel like i've i feel like i'm always doing stuff so when i'm by myself it's weird um but i'm getting better at it i think mm. and can you not focus on a book or something because you're too sad yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes daniel okay uh, <laughs> No, yeah, I'm always crying, can't read a book. No, um, 
I can't really concentrate because I've got like you know when you're on your phone all the time. But um, I am trying. I'm reading um a book at the moment. How's our first date going? Sounds like a blind date. I'm reading a book. <laughs> I won't know for the questions. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm going all right, guys. What I'll... about uh, Footscray Arts? That's a pl- good place to take it a date. It is, and I've got yeah. If you're alone or with anyone, you can um come to. We're doing a really fun every time I do this um radio spot. We're always doing Footscray laughs a week after, so um we are actually doing it again next week, and we've got Nath Valvo headlining, which is huge. Um, love his stuff and a really good lineup. Um, so you can go to www.footscrayarts.com and you can triple our listeners can use the code haha for twenty percent off. Oh wow! Next week. Yeah, okay. it's really it's going to be really fun. It always is, and we have mulled wine, and we'll probably just give you a generous pour without having. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was just going to say that going to stand up comedy is a good date, but of course you can't because it feels like a work event. Um, you can be my date. I will be there, and um, if you come alone, I'll sit with you. So <laughs> there we go. Beautiful. Uh, Majunda, that website again. Um, www.footscrayarts.com I don't think we need the www anymore. <laughs> no, HTTP. <laughs> Just in case you're Sorry. confused. <laughs> Woo! Ah, that's right. Triple R. Thanks for listening to a podcast of the best bits of Breakfasters, the Monday to Friday breakfast show broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia. Feel free to get in touch with us via Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or via the Triple R website. <laughs>